0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome in to Up in the Raptors, a podcast brought to you this basketball season by our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt, co-hosting this. I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this year I'm joined, as always, by a national champion, most outstanding player of the Final Four, Carolina basketball legend, the ACC Network's Joel Berry. Before we talk about basketball, how was your Thanksgiving weekend? Man, my th- my
0: Thanksgiving was good. It's just good to be around family, man. Good to have some time off to be able to uh watch all the games and watch football going on. Man, it's just it's just a great time to just be thankful for the, the folks around you and the people that are supporting you.
1: Yeah, my uh mine wasn't as good. I, I had to spend the weekend in, in Raleigh for the UNC football game. And I'm, oh, I'm, at the, I'm, I'm at the point right now where talking about this basketball team is the highlight of my week. Right.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure, man. That game. Oh, man. That game was, it was, ba- it was bad. It was bad. It was weird too. Very weird, weird game. I was uh my last, the the I stopped watching after they came out of halftime and re-kicked the field goal. Yeah. I said, yeah, something's not something's not right over there at NC State tonight.
1: <laughs> so inside Carolina, they they split up their team where half the people went to uh, the Bahamas to cover Carolina in the battle for Atlantis, and then half the team was in Raleigh to cover the season finale for Carolina football. And it, like halfway through the third quarter, I'm just sitting there like, I wish I was I could in the Bahamas. Be in the
0: Bahamas. <laughs> How did y'all, I mean, how did they do that? Is this like a draw or something or like? Yeah, I I think I just status? got the short end.
1: I think I just got the short end of the stick there. Uh, but, Car- but Carolina goes to the battle for Atlantis. They finish in third place. They win the third place game against Arkansas. What were your biggest takeaways from the, the before we talk about each game, what were your biggest takeaways just from the three days of basketball for for Carolina?
0: I just think we really just you could take away a lot of positive from this tournament. I know the ultimate goal for them was to win the tournament. But when you're talking about early in this season where teams are still finding it, uh, finding themselves trying to identify how they want to play and what their identity is on both sides of the ball. um, I just thought overall Carolina competed. Um, The competitiveness was there, the, the toughness, the physicality was there. And then we just saw um, something that was really of a concern last year is what, what can, what can Carolina get from the bench? And you had self tremble come off and really just be productive. I think that's a positive we can take out of this, uh, the tournament. And then Pax and Wojcik, you know, he's been struggling trying to find his way, trying to um, get comfortable within this program. And he stepped up in big ways with having Cormac Ryan out Um you know, I will go as far as to say Harrison Ingram looks like one of the best transfers in the country right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he really, really uh stepped up and and, and played well. And I just like the competitiveness that he showed, you know, telling the people they're too small, like you know, you didn't see any of that last year. It was just like every man's for themselves. Um, in this tournament, you really just saw a togetherness, guys competing. Um, so you know, I can go on and on about it because there was so much positivity, but this was a really good step in uh, a, a good direction that Carolina is going in. And um, I just was really impressed with how they played.
1: I From that Villanova game, I loved the the two small celebrations where every time <laughs> Carolina would hit a layup, they, they would go to it. Not kind of realizing that Villanova was just trying to take them into the paint the, <laughs> the, the entire game. The but, whole time. But sometimes you need that confidence.
0: Yeah, you do. You do, man. Villanova was playing like old man basketball, man. Like, you know what? These legs are a little tired. Let me put this butt on you and get you down here in the paint.
1: <laughs> and then Cormac Ryan would hit a, a shot on the other end and, and immediately go to the, the too small celebration. But yeah, I I think one of the points that you made was my biggest takeaway from this weekend where... This team plays with uh, a fire and intensity that we didn't see in the year prior. And how much of that do you think it is due to um, the people that are, that are brought in? Because when you're watching the games and you're watching for where, where this fight is coming from, it, it's Cormac Ryan, it's Harrison Ingram, it's Elliot Cadeau, the new guys' impact on this team.
0: Yeah. You know, um, obviously we want, we, this is about the players and you want the players to enjoy what they're doing and enjoy being at Carolina. And I just felt at times last year um, that guys kind of were lost in themselves trying to still find their way. Um, You know, you got the outside media, you got guys like us talking about basketball, talking about the team and sometimes that can get in your head and mess with you a little bit. And I just think, Um, when I look at those guys departing from last year, um, I think, I think it was a mutual thing because, um, you want those guys to be somewhere where they can play and also just have fun and be, and be a kid and still love the game of basketball. Um, and so I just think with those guys coming, going out and these new, this new group, um, man, you just really see that this is a team that's together and you have guys like Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, um, Jalen Withers, they're coming from programs where they didn't win, so they have that hunger to to want to win. They want to feel they want to feel the winning side of things, and I just think that type of sense of urgency really helps you into defining what you're you know sticking to your role and really being about the team and not so much about yourself. And that's what we saw in the bat, in, in the battle for Atlanta is, is those guys just trying to figure out how. How and what can I do to make this team a little bit better? Um, so I just think that sense of urgency, just wanting to win, um, that's what we saw, and that's what these guys bring to the, to the team as far as the transfers.
1: Carolina opened the Battle for Atlantis in a game against Northern Iowa. They, they trailed by six at halftime. There's a feeling in that game from the Carolina fan perspective of being like, oh, no, a, a little nervous. And then they they win the second half by 28. What 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 did you see that fueled the second half performance from UNC?
0: Yeah, they just got out. They started defending better. Um, they, they had a couple of possessions um, or a handful of possessions where they almost got shot clock violations. Um, so just that 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 sense of urgency coming out of halftime, making those adjustments to what you and I was doing um just shows the maturity of the team um and then they just offensively like in the first half i thought they were getting really good looks in that game um it just wasn't hitting um cormac ryan was missing some like easy three pointers harrison ingram was missing rj rj davis was missing but in that second half we saw the shot started falling and i mean it was in bunches and northern Iowa couldn't do anything about it so um that was I think that was the biggest difference is picking up the defensive end, not letting you and I get comfortable. Um, and then offensively they started making those shots and really they it's kind of like they just settled into
1: the game. You you said you and I, and I had a I had to do a double take for a second because I thought you were talking about you and I. And I <laughs> I was like I was like where are we out there? <laughs> hey man, it's that Drake song out there that says you and
0: I. I don't know what song it is, but yeah man. <laughs> and it's crazy because I thought about like when Drake said that in one of his songs, I thought about that because that was like one of the worst games in my college career when we went up there to celebrate Marcus Page and we got our butts kicked.
1: <laughs> the rare the rare Marcus Page celebration game where he he was hurt and And he didn't didn't even play. play.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm glad the guys were able to get it done and didn't have to have that feeling.
1: (laughs) One of the things that a lot of fans have been waiting for is that Cormac Ryan game where he, he shoots the ball well, because he was such a great shooter at Notre Dame and struggled to open the season. But he kind of had that moment in the second half against Northern Iowa, where he shoots uh three of eight from three, and fuels that that second half comeback for the for the tar heels. As as a former player, when your shot isn't falling, how do you maintain playing with confidence and, and shooting the ball with confidence?
0: Yeah, at that point, when you're when you just don't have the confidence and you really don't um feel that your shot is there, I think it's best to just continue to um just play the game the right way because then you can start forcing shots. And shooting shots that you wouldn't shoot on a regular basis and then that just makes it a little bit worse um and so what I love what Cormac did was he just stayed within his himself he knows that he's a two-way guy you know it's not just him offensively he's he's a guy that can get after you defensively and sometimes having to be on the other side of the court and really pick up the intensity defensively gets you going on the offensive end so um, you know, you just don't want to press when it comes down to not hitting the shots that you usually hit. And we saw in that second half, in the first half, he just picked up his defensive intensity. The second half, he came out and he was ready to go um, shooting shots within the offense, within rhythm. And sometimes that's part of the equation, too, is learning your teammate, knowing when they where they wanted in their shot pocket you know, where they need to have it coming off a screen or a pin down or whatever. And we just saw that coming out in the second half. And I don't know if Coach Davis and the staff talked about him needing to get going, but I like how they came out in the second half and went straight to him and then allowed him to continue to go after it. I mean, he missed missed his shot after the second one, but it looks like it might have been some emphasis on getting him the ball to get him going.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that there there's so many other ways that he can impact the game, and Hubert Davis said something pretty similar in his uh, press conference after the game where he said, Cormac is a basketball player. There's 50,000 things that he does to help our team out. One of them is his ability to shoot, but he does so much for us in terms of leadership, defense, passing, rebounding. So to talk about a yeah. slow start and to characterize it only because of shooting coming from a guy that when I played, people just focused on the shot and not the other things that I could do to help the team. I'm just sticking up for my guys. You love to see a coach who who's going to have their their players back like that. And, and one of the things I'm curious about, Carolina goes into halftime down six from your experience when when your team isn't playing up to the standard that, you know, uh, that they could be playing. Have you ever been in, in a halftime locker room when when you know a coach is about to come in, you're like. I'm a little scared for for what they're about to say and and what could happen.
0: Yeah, it it is a little a little scary, but, you know, it's just a part of the game sometimes. And you have to you know, you got guys, your leaders who are in the locker room um, talking. And then sometimes it's just best to let guys dissect and kind of um, feel the moment a little bit. And I think that's that's very important is to feel like, okay, we have to go back in the second half and we can't allow this to happen. But, um, you know, you're, you're sitting there, you don't know how coach is getting ready to come into the locker room. Um, And so you just got to sit there. You know, a lot of the times I have my head down, you know, some guys are just trying to be in there, be in their feelings a little bit. um, And you're just like dreading coach coming in. But what you have to do is you got to listen to what he says and not how he says it, because you know, he's coming in with some fire. Um, because we haven't played and they haven't played up to their expectations. And if I know anything about coach Davis, he loves to start off talking like this. And then it gets all, it gets loud all of a sudden. Um, so I'm pretty sure a little bit of that was going on in there. Um, but the guys, what I loved is that they respond, you know, if that was the case, they responded to it and that's how you have to come out in the second half. And that's just a sign of a mature team. That understands the the moment, but I'm sure Coach Davis was getting on them. <laughs> yeah,
1: every every game from a what you're looking to take away and the positive for this Carolina team is every game they've seen some adversity and, and they've been able to handle the adversity. Where it kind of goes back to that point about the the fight that this team has, where it, it never really feels like they're out of a game. Yeah. Um, and, and that 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 has to be encouraging going forward. But uh, the Northern Iowa game. Seth Trimble starts, what did you think of the decision to start Seth Trimble? And then kind of bigger picture looking at the weekend, Jalen Withers starts the next game. And then the final game with Cormac Ryan out, you have Withers and Ellie Cadeau starting. Just Carolina trying to to shuffle this starting lineup and, and figure out who that fifth person should be.
0: Yeah, and I think Coach Davis put it, um, said it in one of his uh, – one of his interviews that you know this the one thing about this team is that they're competitive and that any guy on this team that uh that we saw get on the floor can start and there might have been some things going on in practice where Seth Trimble earned those minutes you know earned the chance to start um but I just like like to my point earlier I think a lot of teams are still trying to figure out themselves and when you have um, you know, so many guys go out of the program and you have, you know, the, the transfers coming in, you have to kind of play with lineups. And I just think coach Davis and his staff realizes how much they have. Um, and I think I mentioned this in one, of, in our first podcast, but, um, some lineups just play better with one another. And so sometimes it's not necessarily the player that's messing up, um, um, you know, messing up the lineup, it could just be that guys work a little bit better when they're playing with certain guys. Like I thought, you know, we'll get into it, but I thought Elliot and RJ play really well to one, uh together. And I would love to see that pairing a little bit more, but um, I love seeing that they're just trying to mix things up. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're a guy and you feel like you need to start, you're like, okay, I'll take notice of that. How can I get my chance? And um, it just keeps that competitive nature there. I know it won't always be like that, but early in this season, they're still trying to figure out what lineups work with one another.
1: The second game in in battle for Atlantis, Carolina loses 83 to 81 to Villanova in overtime. The the Villanova game, everybody's in foul trouble. As a player, how do you manage that when, when you're playing a team like Villanova, that wants to be physical, but you also have to be conscious of the fact that the refs are, are calling everything, every little foul they're, they're calling.
0: Yeah. Those, that, that's a tough game, man. That's, you know, especially when you're not, you're not facing many teams that back down, back you down, especially from the guard position like Villanova does. Um, And then you throw in what Eric Dixon can do from the outside. It just makes it really hard because naturally Armando was so used to playing at the rim that you got a guy backing down and now you got to go guard somebody, you know, they kick it out to a five man that's on the wing. I mean, whenever, when do you ever guard against that? Um, and so that's, that's tough, but you know, Carolina for most of the part did a good job, but it's just once it's already going, it's hard to stop. And then the last thing you want to do is, you know, you know the game is physical The got the refs are calling fouls you don't want to start complaining to the refs and then all of a sudden it starts becoming a bickering match and you're more worried about the refs than actually playing the game. So I thought that they handled it well. Um, you know, you try to look at some of the the changes they could have made. Could they have gone zone? Um like Penn did against them early in the year? Yes. But does Carolina work on zone? I don't know, you know, and so their bread and butter is man to man. So um, I just thought they handled it well instead of just getting, you know, mad at the refs and not actually playing the game and worrying about what the refs are doing.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is a game where in an early early season tournament, um you, you trust what what you're most confident in and that Carolina's mo- most confident in man to man, but it, yeah. it would be something like if they played him in the NCAA tournament with like a week to prepare, maybe maybe then you do see the zone where where it's oh, yeah. more of a, a matchup type thing, uh, but early season tournament, I, I think you, you're going to go with what you're the most confident in at that point, especially not knowing who you were going to play the the next day in, in this um, in this battle for Atlantis setup. But the the one area I think that you can be a, a bit critical because it does seem like it's a a a lack of attention of detail the the fouling the three point shooters I think that's the only thing that that was the only note that I kind of made like this is something that that Carolina can can clean up and, and probably will clean up very easily
0: yeah and you know it's you you like the effort but you also have to have the discipline to your point to be able to close out under control and not foul the shot you know the only one that I can give a pass to is Armando because you talk about a five man. when he did that move against Armando with the, with the between the legs step back. I mean, when, when does Armando garden that in practice, you know? And last year he didn't, he wasn't guarding anything like that. I mean, I think the closest thing that he probably or person he had to guard like that was Brady Manic, but Brady Manning was more catch and shoot than doing all the, 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 the Kyrie to the step back three yeah. with the left hand. I mean, it's, it's unorthodox all over the place. So, He's the only one that I can give a pass to. Um, And you said something that was pretty interesting, having to get ready for teams. This really tests like how much your team can dissect the scouting report because you're going back to back to back days um, when you're not doing that during the season. So that really shows how can my team adjust and dissect our, our, um, the, the scouting reports because you're going back that night at snack trying to you're looking at film of the other team getting ready for tomorrow's game so you know they did a good job but to your point fouling the three-point shots that's just a lack of discipline and something that needs to be cleaned up
1: yeah eric dixon was going to be a tough cover for for anybody on, on this carolina team <laughs> he finishes 34 points 10 rebounds uh i have a stat from steve Kirshner. unc was called for 72 fouls in the last three games uh, in in the battle for Atlantis, it's the most fouls UNC has committed over three games since committing 72 against Pittsburgh, Providence, and Iowa State to end the 2013-2014 season. That's a great stat, by the way. Yeah, Kirsch Kirsch, Kirsch. is full <laughs> for that. Yeah, and then Villanova. <laughs> not only was Carolina fouling Villanova, but Villanova great free throw shooting team, 32 of 36 from the free throw mm-hmm. line. Where they're gonna they're really gonna punish you for for fouling. Um, but Carolina led by by nine in the second half. I thought there were some questionable calls that went in favor of Villanova to kind of get Villanova back in the game. But but what did you see happen that Carolina couldn't really maintain that lead in the second half against Villanova?
0: Well, it's just, you know, it's when you're going down and you're being challenged defensively, and then you also, you know, Villanova is a good. Good guarding team. They challenge you offensively as well. Um, Sometimes that can get into your legs a little bit. And I think that's probably what happened. And then, you know, with the foul trouble, it's hard, man, when you're when you're playing against the refs and playing against the other team, you know, it feels like, you know, you're going against everybody on the court except for your teammates. And so, you know, you're trying to keep your hands up. You're a little, you know, you're trying to let go a little bit. And sometimes that can just play a huge role. And mentally is is you know it's in the back of your head when you're trying to guard someone and you know, okay, if I touch them, I'm gonna get fouled. So I thought a lot of that probably had to go into it with just the fouling situation. Um, but I thought Carolina, they stayed in the game. Um, you know, I'ma make a hot take here. I thought that I thought Coach Davis when they had the ball going in overtime, I thought he shouldn't have called a timeout. Um, I thought that he should have let the guys play it out because um, it's hard to run a a set in the half court when it's three seconds left to get something going towards the basket because they were in the bonus. Um, And so I thought they should have let it play out um, and just see what they could do against an advantage in, in a transition situation. But I thought Carolina did, did a good job. It just came down to, you know, those last second plays.
1: Yeah, it was a good effort from Carolina eventually going into overtime. They, they just ran out of players. Harrison Ingram <laughs> fouls out. Uh, Jalen Withers fouls out and then Ellie Cadeau fouls out in overtime. Uh, but quick break to talk about our, our friends at Johnny T-shirt. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill, For the Tennessee game, visit Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street. If you're not going to be there, you can visit them online at JohnnyT-shirt.com. As basketball season gets underway, they have everything that you could possibly want. They have the hats, the jerseys, the T-shirts. You name it, they've got it. Just in time for the holiday season. Great people, great customer service. And don't forget, Inside Carolina Premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. So the final game, the third place game in battle for Atlantis, Carolina goes up against a ranked Arkansas team uh, led by uh, Coach Musselman. How much or, or what do you think we learned about this team in the way that they responded to their first loss of the season, bouncing back in such a strong way against Arkansas?
0: Yeah, I just I I love the way that they responded with knowing that there was another opportunity to get a big time win. Arkansas is a good team. Um, You know, they're still trying to find their way with so many transfers coming in. But it's still a a very well coached team. Um, They get after you defensively. Uh, You know, they have some score. They have some scores on the team um, that can get buckets. And one guy in particular, um, Tremont Mark. I mean, he was he was getting buckets and putting that thing in the orange in the orange hole, like, <laughs> and they, and there's nothing that uh, it was hard for Carolina to stop him. But I thought the effort in the bounce back, um, realizing what was at stake and what they could do, uh, I thought that was huge because this would go down as a quality win for Carolina when you're looking at the resume down the down the line.
1: Yeah, it was a great win by Carolina. Carolina wins by 15 points in this game. RJ Davis was the leading scorer in Carolina's final two games. Offensively, what did you see that was working so well for Davis where he scores 23 against Villanova and then he ties a career high with 30 in this game against Arkansas? He just played RJ played with great great pace.
0: Um, you know, he he really didn't force anything. Um and if it did, it was just, you know, it was just being him knowing that he had the hot hand the game uh that this game but I thought he played really well, man. Um, I've said it earlier. I like him and Elliot t- together. Um, I thought one play in particular when RJ got the, um, he got it on the sideline, Elliot threw a cross court pass to RJ and he attacked with quickness and went right to the, to the basket for a layup. Like, I think that's where, um, Carolina can be great with, uh, with Elliot being able to throw those hit aheads. but RJ played great, man. He was, he was unstoppable. Um, and it was, you know, it was something that we haven't seen since his sophomore year, um, having a game like that. So he played amazing and they 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 will need him to step up each and every game that way.
1: Yeah, the the two spots where I really like seeing R.J. Davis and, and wish I had synergy to mm-hmm. to check the the advanced numbers on, on some of these possessions. But I love him in that high pick and roll with Armando Baycott, where you can get him downhill and attacking the basket. And then I love him in, in these catch and shoot situations where he gets the ball, triple threat position, and can attack, can shoot, uh, can pass out of it. The the Cado Davis pairing—that's another thing I want to see more of those numbers and and how they do on the court together. Because I agree with you, where it, it passes the eye test, where Carolina if that looks like their their most efficient offense when when those two are out on the court together. Yeah, can the davis cadeau backcourt work defensively
0: it's and that's the hard part is you know you can think about the offensive end but basketball is two sides of the floor um and so you got to think uh you know defensively is that lineup too small um but i just think with the modern day basketball with so many ball screens and um so many you know dribble handoffs you're already switching that stuff Um, And so you might have, you might have a mismatch already just coming off of a, uh, an initial ball screen. So um, I just, I I think it can work. I don't, you know, you definitely have to play with it and throw in, you know, a bigger lineup, you know um, but I think, you know, for, you know, uh, maybe 10 or 15 minutes of a game, I think it could be, it it, it can work. Um, And like you said, the catch and shoot, I did look up on synergy. Carolina is shooting 38.6% out of, out of catch and shoot situations. Um, So they're, they're, you know, they're playing really good with guys sharing the ball and, um, and being able to play out of those situations. And then also they're shooting 36.9% from the three point line, something that was missing last year. So those catch and shoot situations are great. And when you have a guy like Elliot and RJ playing together, you get those opportunities. And I think RJ, in this tournament was at his best when he was able to play out of catch and shoot situations.
1: Yeah. And there's a, there's an unselfishness to this team right now in the way that they're playing, where it just looks like five guys out there that are every possession looking to get the best shot, which is not something that we could say for, for how Carolina was playing at times last year. And yeah, I think one of the biggest reasons for that is you bring in somebody like Ellie Cadeau with, with his passing skills, the first three games of the season, we, we talked about maybe the nerves of playing as a freshman. His assist to turnover ratio was eight to eight. He goes to the Bahamas, his assist to turnover ratio, 11 to one. What did you see from Carolina's freshman in, in these three games from the Bahamas? And uh, that that could be encouraging for a sign of his growth.
0: Well, you know, growing through the season is watching film and learning from your mistakes. And that's the biggest thing. And when you're in film session, you have to be able to Um, be able to see what you're doing and dissect what you're doing. And I just think, you know, as the season goes along, the more film he watches, the more situations that he's in, ball screen situations, um, he will just continue to get better and better. And it's just part of him being able to pass the ball, but you also have to know when to pass the ball um, and know when, okay, maybe I might have to take this back a little bit, not make this pass. I'll get it next time. Um, so you just start learning different situations and knowing when to deliver the ball. And that's what I was saying about RJ and him on the court together. When he's throwing those kickerheads, heads, it allows the defense to or it allows the offense to be able to attack in transition. And then if they don't have anything, you can always set it back up. So I just think him understanding when to pass, when to be aggressive, when to say, hey, you know what, maybe another time. I just think that's just part of development and part of watching film. I can attest to it. In high school, you don't watch any film. (laughs) And so now you're having to understand you got to go out there and watch yourself, see some of the passes that you're making. So that development will come and it seems like the coaching staff have done a great job of sitting him down in front of a computer and seeing, you know, what passes can be made and when it's time to, you know, just look for another time.
1: High school. The most film you're watching is is what you're gonna put in your mixtape, right? Exactly. That's
0: that's all you're watching. Like, oh yeah, right there. Put that one in, right there. I, I got his ankles on that one. You're not watching. You're not watching yourself coming off a ball screen, trying to dissect what the weak side is doing. You're not doing that.
1: Uh, I think one of the interesting things about the battle for Atlantis is Carolina wins two games. They're competitive in, in the Villanova loss, and Armando Bacot doesn't put up. Big numbers, uh, Northern Iowa, he goes for 10 and eight, Villanova, eight and 18. And then against Arkansas, he he goes for nine and four. Uh, he shoots 37% from the field, which is a considerable dip from where he's normally at. But I, I think with the depth on this team, they don't need the Armando Baycott performances that we've seen in, in years past. So fr- from these three games, what did you kind of take away from Armando's game?
0: Yeah, I thought they I thought the teams made it really tough for him. You know, he's going to be at the top of the scouting report every single game. And now it's, you know, there's a huge scouting report. I mean, it's his fifth year. I mean, you know, it's it's a there are scouting scouting reports being passed up under the table. Coaches talking. I mean, it's all of that. So it's not a hidden thing anymore of what he can do. And I just thought teams did a great job of just staying. Between him and the basket, making him finish over. You know, Armando doesn't have off the chart athleticism, um, so you know he just has a wide frame and can really put you in hard situations if you let him catch a deep catch. And I just thought they teams made it really tough for him. But you made a good point in that this team just has so many weapons to where they don't have to depend on Armando Baycott like they did in the past. Um and I think that's a good thing though because there are times where he's gonna have his opportunities but you know it's hard to say just in three games um that Armando Baycott is not having a great season I think he's having a phenomenal season um especially before they got to the Battle for Atlantis his his numbers were video video game numbers um so I just think sometimes you go through a slump and I think they'll go back and look at you know look at film and see how can they get him the ball in different uh, situations and easier situations, but um, you know, it's just, it's tough to see them play like this, but it's just part of basketball and part of a season and they'll go back and make the adjustments to be able to get them the ball. But it, you know, like we said, other guys stepped up and played well. So it's a good sign that you're able to still have a positive uh, outlook with him, with one of your best players, not playing their best.
1: Yeah. And I think if you're Carolina, you're, you're more than willing to trade some of Armando Baycott's production for a, a more balanced team game and they're coming oh, out 100%. with wins. And yeah, yeah. and <laughs> they didn't come out with the win in the Villanova game, but again, they're, they're leading by almost double digits in the second half. That's a game that, that they can close out more often than not. Uh, but one of the players that stepped up and I think has been the biggest, the biggest sign of positivity from this Carolina team. Uh, Through six games, Harrison Ingram, he looked like the best player for this Carolina team in the battle for Atlantis tournament. Uh, His ability to post up his ability to pass out of those post ups, those those cross court passes uh, out of the post. Is Harrison Ingram the best player on this Carolina team?
0: Oh, that's a that's a hard one. Um, I think from the standpoint, when you're looking like all around, I think he is the best player on this team. Um, he brings so much to the table. He's hit double figures in all games so far this season. Um, the amount of production that you get out of him, I don't know what his offensive rating is, but I'm sure it's pretty high. It's high. Because um, <laughs> he does a lot. and it's I not also just,
1: don't have the numbers, but I can also tell you it's pretty high.
0: Yeah, it has to be pretty high because – I mean, he does. He does it all. He's defensively, but you look at the offensive end. I mean, just he can come out. And he can. He has the vision to play in a pick and roll. If he's not in the pick and roll, just look at the end of the game against Arkansas. They were just putting him in a post up situation and saying, "Hey, Arkansas, you either come in double team and we'll hit somebody else out of the, out of a catch and shoot situation." or you don't double team and you come and you get this bucket from Harrison Ingram. And that's, that's really what they were doing. And he just presents a matchup. That's just uh that's, that's really hard because of what he can do. Um, so I, I will say I can go to say he is the best player on this team from an all around production because of how much he gives you on both ends of the floor.
1: Before we wrap up, a big shout out to our friends at Congruity. Congruity is a North Carolina-based national coverage, local presence company with personal support straight from the Tar Heel State. Congruity is empowering small and mid-sized business owners with HR and payroll outsourcing, enabling you to grow your business while they take care of your greatest assets, your people. And they are doing it with top-of-the-line technology and services for every stage of your business's growth with a state-of-the-art online platform. Congruity, they are obsessed with customer service where they become part of your team. They do the heavy lifting, providing essential admin support with a single point of contact and support available on demand with services that are tailor-made for you, transforming your organization. Congruity has helped hundreds of businesses improve and enhance their day-to-day lives, level up your HR capabilities, save money, unlock game-changing growth. Visit CongruityHR.com backslash TarHeels to learn all about Congruity. Fill out a quick form to be connected to their consultants, and they'll give Inside Carolina listeners or viewers a payroll and HR assessment for free. That's CongruityHR.com backslash heels congruity hr.com backslash Heels. all right back to the episode in carolina they're they're coming back from relaxation in the bahamas where their last game was against uh, a ranked arkansas team arkansas was ranked 20th at the time no no time to slow down cuz coming no. coming to chapel hill it's <laughs> the number 10 team in the country the tennessee volunteers how does Carolina match up with Tennessee in this ACC SEC challenge? I think
0: guard wise, they match up really well with Tennessee's guards. Um, I think they, Zakai Ziegler is a guy for Tennessee that matches up well with either RJ or uh, Elliott. Um, you have uh, Dalton Kinect, who matches up well with uh, Harrison Ingram or even Cormac Ryan. Um, they're a team that shoots a ton of threes i think out in maui they shot 63 threes they only made 17 of them but they get them up though um and it's just one thing i know for sure that is a non-negotiable for tennessee is the physicality and that will be from the jump like literally as soon as the ball is tipped off they will hit you um and i know that from personal experience that they will um so this team matches – I think they match up well. This is a this is a really good team coming into town, and um, I think the the battle will be won um, on in the backcourt is who back whose backcourt can really stand out and play well. Um, so it'll be fun to watch, but it'll be a very physical physical game. Hopefully they can learn something from the Villanova game because I thought that game was very physical as well. Um, but you know this Tennessee team is very physical and i think carolina matches up with them pretty well.
1: We'll see how that plays out Wednesday, Tennessee coming to Chapel Hill coming to the Dean Dome, 7:15 tip on ESPN. Joe, appreciate the time as always, man, and appreciate everybody watching and listening.
0: Yep, enjoy always CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel-